What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the Blazers' loss. That was really a win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll look ahead to the latest round of mock drafts. It's that time of year. We are less than just 87 days away, 86 as you hear this from the NBA draft. It's time to start getting into NBA draft mode for a team set set to maybe have two and certainly aggressively chasing after one lottery pick. And then we'll close the show with a request from a listener, a history, a brief history of Trailblazers draft picks, what they've done over the last decade in the draft. Uh, it's not a perfect science, but it is a fun way to look back and remember what they've done and a sense of what, where you get good players and all of that. So that's what we'll do. A little bit of now, a little bit of the future, and a little bit of the past. Let's start with our fastest recap in the West. The Blazers lose 134-131 at home to the Oklahoma City Thunder. This was quite a an affair. Both teams were had just eight players available by tip-off. Uh, the, re- the real news of this one is that the Blazers didn't, you know, only had eight players, and we'll, I'll talk about the news in a second, but uh, they made some announcements about guys done for the year and 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 uh, guys potentially done for the year, et cetera, et cetera. But coming into this night without Trenton Watford, who was hurt, and without Greg Brown, who had a corneal abrasion, he basically got poked in the eye and, and has, his, his eyeball is, is messed up, couldn't play. The Blazers were down to eight players. So uh, OKC said, y'all want to lose? Y'all want to lose? We can, we can lose with the best of them. Darius Baisley, who was doubtful coming into the game, was ruled out and didn't play. And then prior to tip-off, Trey Mann, who was absolutely going to be the best player in this game, I think. He was going to be the best player on the floor in this game. Uh, the, the Thunder ruled out Trey Mann about an hour before tip-off, and that was that. Both teams with just eight available bodies in this one. And of course, of course, in a game with eight available bodies, it went to overtime. Uh, this was, for my money, pretty entertaining. Uh, you know, a, a close game that went that came right down to it and then uh, after the Blazers took a little bit of a lead heading into the fourth quarter OKC stormed back Isaiah Roby hit a three-pointer in the closing moments of regulation to force overtime and the Blazers could not score at the at the end uh, at the end of the fourth quarter game went to OT even went back and forth in overtime but it came down to it the Blazers got the ball with 10 seconds left down 3 and they didn't have any timeouts and they decided to go for a two uh Brandon Williams drove the paint quickly they tried to get a quick two with no timeout there's no such thing as a quick two a quick two's a loss Drew Eubanks ducks home dunks home the follow Blazers give up a three pointer or give up a give up a quick lay in to go down by three excuse me and then they need a three pointer to tie with just seconds left and they kind of botch the inbound pass again no timeouts can't advance the ball can't set it up CJ Ellaby Brandon Williams trying to set it up CJ Ellaby caught the inbounds pass 94 feet from the rim they threw it in literally one foot shorter than you would normally and they don't get a real shot off as time expires and they lose 134-131. That's your fastest recap in the West. It fun stat lines across the board in this one. Drew Eubanks, 27 points, 14 boards, 3 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. He was 12 of 14 from the floor. Hook shot god. The track, the shack of Troutdale was just floating in righty hooks. My man can only shoot hooks really with his right hand, but he is money with a right-handed hook. He is 27, 14, 3, and 3, 3, and 2. 
for Drew Eubanks. 25 from Brandon Williams. Uh, Brandon Williams had, had had a couple games. Uh, you know, last game was fine, but he had a couple games in a row where he was really struggling a little bit. Just I could not get his get get his shot to fall. Uh, didn't wasn't super efficient from two, but hit five of eight threes. Finished with 25 points and 12 assists. I don't think that um, the Blazers' situation is particularly fun or good for anyone like this they're just they're losing to lose and it's fine but I think Drew Eubanks has proved that he could be a backup or a third center in the league and I think Brendan Williams has proven he could be a backup in the NBA he might just be straight up good it's you know it's hard to judge in this with the context and all these things but like Brendan Williams looks just straight up playable and solid 25 and 12 uh, he's he deserves you know he'll be on a two-way contract next year he deserves another uh, another and longer look uh, uh, ben Macklemore, 28 points off the bench and hit eight threes, which is a bummer because earlier this year on a show, I said the Blazers will never lose when Ben Macklemore hits eight threes. He had eight threes for one game earlier this year, and I made that quip. And then here they are losing when Ben Macklemore had eight threes. And in part is because Isaiah Roby had 30 points for the uh, the Thunder. His his three tied it, sent it to, sent it to OT uh, where the, where the and he had a he had a couple buckets late in OT. Like he was great. He was the best player on the floor in, in overtime. He had he finished with 30 and 8 boards. 28 from Aaron Wiggins, 23 from Teo Maladon to go with 10 boards and 5 assists. Uh Alexei Pokashevsky just does a, a, a lot of stuff at a speed that is hard to comprehend. He is a slow moving guy who looks like he's kind of floating out there, but he weighs, you know, 17 pounds and he's seven feet tall. Uh 11 points, eight boards, eleven assists for Poku. Uh and uh, Olivier Saar had had 12 points off the bench for um, OKC. Not a particularly impressive stat line, but I thought his size was important for OKC. That's what you need to know about that, that game. We don't really need to go much deeper than that. Y'all get it. Uh, important game to lose. You know, OKC is really bad, uh, and they held their their folks out. They've announced that Shea Gilgis Alexander and um, and rookie Josh Giddy are out for the year, and that's what the that's what it really was on this on this fine Monday. It was a time for teams to announce that dudes are done for the year, and the Blazers are among those teams. Anthony Simons, this isn't a surprise, no surprise. Anthony Simons, done for the year. Yusuf Nurkic, done for the year. The Blazers announced both today in a press release. And Eric Bledsoe, who we've never seen, he got a PRP uh, injection that is a uh, plasma or platelet-rich plasma injection. Basically, um, take some blood out, shake it around a little bit, get some more white blood cells in there, and put it back in your and put it back in your in his case lower leg, I assume, his Achilles. Um, he's he's done for the year. We'll ne- probably probably never see Eric Bledsoe in a Blazer jersey. I'm willing to wager never see Eric Bledsoe in a Blazer jersey, although he's under contract for next season, uh, partially guaranteed at $3.4 million. And if he's on the team, he'll be making $19 million bucks as at least an interesting backup, but I don't think he'll ever play. Those three done for the year. Uh, the, what the Blazers did announce, and they actually led the press release with this because lead with positivity, baby, is that Didi Luzada, uh, the, the young guard that the Blazers acquired in the CJ McCollum trade from the New Orleans Pelicans, he is in, he. They think he'll play. They anticipate he will return to the court. Uh, he had he hurt his meniscus towards towards meniscus in, uh, in the end of January, and then uh, had surgery and and missed some time. And now he's you know 
basically going to be eight weeks removed from it by the time he returns. I think it's important just to see what you get from Didi. I mean, I don't think I don't think four games is really going to make any difference, but I think it's for the Blazers heading into next season. You might as well see him in a real live game setting. There's um, there's nothing to lose but victories, and they've done a really good job of losing games. And I don't think Didi is going to be good enough to really change uh, change much here. I, I think the the interesting news from this Blazers press release that they put out today was that Josh Hart is going to be reevaluated in a week. Now, here's my read on that. Josh Hart's going to be reevaluated a week and they're going to say Josh Hart's season is done. They just didn't want to announce four guys all at once. Their seasons were over. And I think Josh Hart gets the short straw. Like, oh yeah, we'll check his knee out. He's been out the shortest amount of time. We'll check his knee out in a week and we'll find out he's done. I cannot imagine a scenario where Josh Hart plays basketball again this season. I cannot imagine. It would be very bizarre because when he played, he was extremely good and the Blazers have to avoid having good players on the court. It's extremely important for them to continue to uh, continue to lose. Speaking of losing, like quick whip around the league, uh, yesterday's show, Monday's show, I, I recorded it before the Pelicans and Lakers played. The Lakers took a 23-point first half lead. They led by 20 at halftime, and they completely botched it because they are an unserious franchise. An unserious franchise that does not deserve our respect. Uh, the Lakers shouldn't make the play, and they don't. De- they do not deserve to play any postseason games. Get them fully the hell up on out of here. They, they stink. They stink. Um, no, no, Anthony Davis. LeBron James hurt his ankle. He was awesome and hit five threes in the first half, and then he looked slow in the second half. And Russell Westbrook continues to be a bizarre fit on that team, and they stink. They blew a twenty-three point lead. Trey Murphy went nuts. Uh, Pell's rookie in the second half, and the Pelicans move into ninth place. Coupled that with the Spurs winning today, this evening on Monday evening, the San Antonio Spurs are a half game behind the Lakers for the tenth spot and the final play-in spot in the playoffs. Get the Lakers out of here. Get them out. Get them out. The, the Sunday was going to be the game that you said, okay, here's why you still have faith in the Lakers beating the Pelicans and the Blazers holding on to their pick. Because when you get into a serious game, you have LeBron James. There's no back-to-backs in the play-in round, no back-to-backs in postseason basketball. You're going to get LeBron, one of the best players that ever played this game, for my money, the best player I've ever seen play basketball. Uh, like, you're going to get him in a single elimination game that's going to matter. And then they blew a 23-point lead, just an indefensible loss by the Lakers. Get him Fully the hell up on out of here. Let's let DeJounte Murray <laughs> and Lonnie Walker and Jakob Pertle and Keldon Johnson handle this one because the Lakers cannot be trusted. Uh, Pels look good. Uh, Brandon Ingram came back and had 26. Looks good. That's bad news for the Blazers. Here's some good news, though. Paul George, uh, you may remember him from being a pretty good player, plays for the Clippers. He is has been upgraded to questionable. He's been out forever. Questionable means he's coming back. He's going to play later this week. You need the Clippers to be good, and you need them to be ready to beat the Pelicans in the play-in because I do not think the... I think because of the way Sunday went with the Lakers, I think the Pels are in the driver's seat. They play the Lakers one more time. They're still going to get two games against... Um, they're going to get a game against the Blazers this week. I, I, I think... It's very likely that it's San Antonio, New Orleans in that first play-in game, and then it's the loser of Minnesota and L.A. You want as as many talented teams as possible between the Pelicans and the playoffs. And Paul Paul George coming back and rooting for the Spurs, a much more serious franchise to be there, is better for the Blazers. That's that's your news. Uh, so no Ant and Nurk for the rest of the season, not a surprise. Can't imagine Josh plays. Maybe CD to lose out on a little bit, and then you got your rooting news. You're always rooting against the Pels, but they Brandon Inger back, CJ back. They're they're going to be good, and we will see them Wednesday. They come to uh, they come to Portland Wednesday. CJ McCollum's return. 
Auburn. Going to be a fun one. I will be there. And, you know, maybe maybe you will be too if you're listening and able to do so. Uh, but it is it isn't uh, basketball. The basketball games don't matter as much for the Blazers right now. It's They lost a game and it didn't matter. It's about what's next. That's what I want to talk about in the second segment is what's next for this team. And that's mock draft stuff. A bunch of a bunch of the uh, larger outlets released their mock drafts in the last couple days. And I've rounded up some good ones. And we'll talk about uh, some prospects that folks are targeting with the Blazers end up with potentially two picks. One of those being from the Pelicans, which is why we are so invested in them losing here on this show. But before we get there, I want to tell you about NBA Top Shot. It is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. It's a way to connect with passionate community of fans, of NBA fans across the globe and build your collection with your favorite moments of NBA history. NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easier to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, of shoeboxes, of binders, of saving them in little sleeves and all that stuff. So here's what you do. You can purchase a unique card clip of your favorite NBA highlight and you might be asking why would I buy something I could watch on YouTube for free and you could here's why because it's not just watching a highlight it's about having ownership in the stock market of the NBA's greatest moments and owning NBA Top Shots can get you access to unbuyable once in a lifetime experiences for example last year Top Shot flew out a group of fans to Phoenix for game five of the NBA finals just for having Phoenix Suns moments and their collection the following week Top Shot flew out a group of fans to New York for the NBA draft and these collectors got to have dinner with four future first round picks the night they were before they were drafted and play basketball including Nick's OB Nick's rookie Obi Toppin. So if you sign up for Top Shop today, the best way to get started is to get yourself a starter pack. You can pull a moment of a superstar like LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Damian Lord or star rookies like Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, or Greg Brown III. That'll cost you nine bucks to get started with one of those starter packs. So head on over to lockedon.nbatopshot.com to start building your collection today. Today's show is also brought to you by Truebill. It's the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want it, that you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill is here to make it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. You're paying for a service. It's either going to be one click and the subscription is done. If it's more than one click, you are paying someone to do the clicking for you. I use Truebill and in under 15 minutes, I had an eyeball on all of my subscriptions, digital subscriptions, right there in the app. Super easy to use, super simple. Get your eyeballs on on what you are paying for and what you don't want to pay for and start saving money. So don't fall for those subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Oh! Right, it's mock draft season, y'all. Talk about the Blazers news. Talked about a great, great loss to OKC. Just a phenomenal loss. Great work for those of you rooting for losses. They did it. They even did it in overtime while winning in the final seconds of the fourth quarter. A magical loss. Quite frankly, an entertaining basketball game. But enough about basketball games. Let's look to the future. Like I said at the top of the show, we are less than 90 days 
from the NBA draft. We don't know exactly where the Blazers are going to be picking, but they're going to have their own draft pick. They are not going to make the playoffs. You do not need to worry about that. And if the Pelicans miss the playoffs, they will have uh, likely a pick that falls somewhere between 9 and 11. If the Pelicans miss the playoffs, there's a 78% chance that pick falls between 9 and 11. Uh, it can't fall any lower. Than, it's not going to fall any lower than 9 just because of the way the lottery odds work, and it's very unlikely. Um, it would take some real... It would take several teams jumping into the top four for it to fall outside of 11. So... the the most likely scenarios of the Blazers have something like the sixth pick, the seventh pick, and the ninth pick. So that puts them in sort of that mid-lottery range. And uh, without sort of talking about all the other scenarios, if they trade, if they move up, and all those things, I looked at some of the mock drafts from people I, people I trust and uh, people I know um, who have kind of mapped out what Blazers having two lottery selections in that position might look like. So without further ado, let's get into them. Uh, ESPN, they, they put this behind a paywall now, so uh, you all might not have it, but Jonathan Giovanni and Mike Schmitz do a really good job on uh, on, on draft stuff. Um, They're the guys who used to be at Draft Express, uh, formerly a free service, uh, but it's they uh, they do really good really good work on ESPN. They they get eyeballs on guys. Um, they're talking to executives. They Jonathan Giovanni really he has it dialed. Um, so uh, certainly I I'm a big believer in ESPN's coverage. I think they do a really good job. And ESPN has the Blazers making two selections. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like they have it based on the standings as of when they wrote it. Quite frankly, those standings since I read it this morning have changed this evening. This is Tuesday, March 29th show, and I'm recording this on the evening of March 28th. Uh, so instead of like saying at number whatever, we'll just say who they pick and we'll talk about who they are. But at the with the Blazers' first pick, ESPN has them taking Shaden. Blazers taking Shaden Sharp, six six guard from Kentucky. Sharp was a five star recruit, kind of a consensus you know, one of the top recruits in the country and that did not play at Kentucky this year. I have watched maybe a 12 minute highlight video of Shaden Sharp as much as I've seen him and didn't miss any shots in that one. But, um, you know, from what I've read about him, really good athlete, maybe potential to play one, two, and three, like maybe be able to scale up and eventually play small forward, but certainly like a one, two type, a guy who can score off the dribble, has some real pull up ability and is a really good athlete at six, six, uh, Certainly, he's going someone who is going to go in that top 10-ish range. Um, is he going to go as high as 6 or 7 where the Blazers are? I don't know. It, like, in general, I think I just, like, my my theory of drafting is draft the best player available and don't worry about it. I think the Blazers are in a weird situation where they really kind of, if they do get one of the top 7 picks in the draft, they kind of need to, dra to draft someone who can contribute. Um, Sharp obviously wouldn't have a big minute role on this team when you think about Dame and Ant and Josh Hart, but I think he could be a fourth guard, and if he's good enough, you kind of figure it out. Um, I don't know enough about him to say, I wouldn't do it, um, but I do think that like, you have to think about fit more on this team than in general. My general belief is best player available, but I think the Blazers are in a weird situation where if they draft another guard to fill up that stable yet again, it's going to feel a little bit weird, and I can understand if you have... Um, have some concerns about that, which is perfect for why ESPN has them taking two guys who are kind of twos. Although uh, this next one, Oshai Agbaji, uh, six six wing from Kansas, who's going to play in the Final Four this weekend. If you haven't seen Kansas play, um, check him out. He's 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 darn good. Um, you know, a little bit little bit older for draft stuff, like twenty two, as if that's like ancient in the draft world. But um, Oshai has. Uh, 
he kind of recommitted himself to to being an NBA guy and started working out with Phil Beckner, who's uh, Damian Lord's workout, who's Damian Lord's former collegiate assistant coach and now is like full-time trainer uh, in the offseason guy who's worked with a bunch of NBA dudes, including Anthony Simons, but, you know, is Dame's guy. And so Oshai got in with Dame's guy, got in with Phil Beckner and like st- started a relationship with Dame and kind of about how what it ta- I read the story in the athletic I recommend you check it out but it's like basically what it takes to work hard what it takes to be a pro and Dame was like a guy in his year and as an example of what that takes uh Agbaji could is is probably like a 2-3 um another 6-6 guy with some with with you know, not like this. He, he doesn't, I don't think he profiles as much as like the shoot, superstar kind of shoot off the dribble stuff as, as sharp, but he's the, he's the kind of like offensive skilled maybe. And with some defensive upside wing that everybody's searching for, like at least what he might be. I don't think he, I don't know if he is there right now, but a two way wing is what everyone's after. And at least he profiles like something. He could be a two way wing. That's ESPN's mock draft, but they're not alone. Brian Kalbrowski at, at USA today, who's been a, a former guest in this podcast. And um, hopefully will be a future guest in this podcast here in the next couple weeks as we prepare for the draft. Cause Brian is really good over at USA today. Uh, works for, for the win and writes some other stuff. I'll, I'll drops draft stuff and NBA coverage covers basketball at all levels. Does a really good job. Check him out. Brian Kalbrowski. And he has the Blazers taken two players. One of them is AJ Griffin, six, six, wing from Duke. Uh, I was talking to Kevin Pelton a little bit about AJ Griffin, KP, a friend of the program who's a former guest in the show and works for ESPN. And and Pelton said that he thinks that Griffin could uh, potentially grow into a frame to play a small ball four in the NBA. That means he could probably play three, three and four in the league at 6'6 six, six with long arms. He shot four, almost 48%, 47-plus percent from three uh, at Duke. And I thought, um, you know, came off the bench early in the year because he had some injury stuff. And because of the uh, Duke's roster, like, it's hard for them to... Trevor Keels and AJ Griffin are both NBA guys. Wendell Car- Wendell uh, Moore is probably an NBA guy. Like, there's just a logjam of people on the wing. Um, Pelican and Carol Mark Williams, NBA guys. Like, th- there's not always room to play all five potential first round draft picks on that Duke roster. I-, I think Griffin, from from what I've watched of him, and he's one of the guys I've seen more than anyone else in college basketball. Uh, not that I've seen him more than other people. I've seen AJ Griffin more than I've seen other college basketball players. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good pro. I'm a believer in him. Uh, that's that is Kalbrowski's first pick and the second pick, assuming that they get their that New Orleans selection, Shaden Sharp. Um, he's going to be right in the Blazers' range. They're going to have to make a tough call. Uh, not playing a year of college, I don't think should hurt. If you sit out, I don't think it should hurt you um, in terms of your draft stock. But I, I think in some ways people fall in love with the unknown more than the known. I think he's in some ways protected himself and probably helped his draft stock. But if you're healthy and can play, I don't think sitting out and not playing a year of college basketball, it does not worry me even one little bit. The Ringer also recently released its draft coverage. Uh, that's Kevin O'Connor. Kevin does an extensive, like a really extensive draft uh package for lack of a better word it's big it's big and it's got scouting reports and 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 a whole bunch of info on everybody really really for free is about as good of a draft tool as you're going to find out there uh he does a really really good job and uh o'connor has the blazers taking it two players and thank goodness they're not maybe shooting guards the first one is jalen duran uh 610 big man from memphis uh 
he's going to be a you know a powerful center, kind of really really good athlete, a little raw on offense, but high motor, physical bruiser. Um, Jalen Duran is up there on my wish list. I have not finalized who I think my sort of Blazers targets are when I when we get a little bit closer and we know where the Blazers are going to pick. I will finalize and I'll I'll tell you right here. We won't hide. I'm not going to hide from you. Um, but Jalen Duran is high on my list just because of the motor and the athleticism. Um, you know, I watched him play two games now in college. He goes hard. Dude goes hard. Um, and he's he's sort of the right frame. I think he could be a good backup in in the league at, to begin with and grow into much, much more. Um, also, former guest of the show, Raphael Barlow, convinced me that that Duran probably has some more passing chops than he has shown. And a big guy who can pass and, and plays hard, that is my type of player. So Jalen Duran, high on my list for Blazers, uh, Blazers targets. And uh, the last one from Kevin O'Connor is Jeremy Sohan, the 6'9 forward from Baylor. Um, you may remember him from getting elbowed in the face during the Carolina game that almost cost my beloved Tar Heels uh, a, a chance to advance to the Elite Eight and, and then beyond go Heels. Um, but He's going to be right in the range. Um, I think I've talked to some people who are who are big Sohan fans. Um, you know, 6'6 athlete who can shoot it a little bit at his size, probably guard multiple positions. Blazers desperately need dudes who can play four, I think. Um, in terms of, like, reasonable fits, I think O'Connor's draft is um, is 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 better i think i think kevin o draft guide has has got it um has got a little bit closer in terms of what the blazers need are those the best players who knows who knows but i think those are more like need based these would fit plug and play type guys with duran and sohan so that's your nba that's your mock draft roundup as these come out um you know i'm not going to do these like every single week but as these come out we will look around the league and see what uh where these folks are and we'll do our best to get um those who will join us on the program because um i'm not a big draft guy but we are going to dive deep into the NBA draft and I'm going to dive deep there with you. I'll learn along right with you as we do it. And we, the mock draft, we will revisit mock drafts a bunch over the next 90 days. Let's come back though. And look at the Blazers. This is a request from a listener. We're going to look at the Blazers last, a brief history of Blazer draft picks to find out what they've done over the last decade and kind of give us a sense of how that team building process has gone through the draft. But before we get there, I want to tell you about rockauto.com, the family business that's been, specializing helping do-it-yourselfers for over two decades. You can save time and money if you shop rockauto.com. Time because the website's easy to use, quick, quickly see all the parts, and I'm talking all the parts for every make and model, and money, like real money, 30, 50, or 100% more than if you go to a chain auto parts store if you go to the car dealership. They can't meet your needs. They're just going to be more expensive. Rock Auto is gonna get, it's gonna be cheaper, it's gonna be easier, it's gonna be faster. So don't mess around. Go to their website, rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and while you're there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable below prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com still a pass first point guard still mike richmond you are still listening to locked on blazers we did your fastest recap in the west your blazers news and your mock draft roundup and now courtesy of listener john thorpe at thorpe theory on twitter former uh guest on this podcast when we did the listener summit uh john asked if i would do a brief history of of trailblazers draft picks just kind of looking back at the past and um i i initially resisted it because i was like that it's like I don't want to. I don't want to have to click through all those things. Um, let's let's wait until it makes more sense. And I think when we're looking ahead to say like, okay, the Blazers are going to have like the sixth, the ninth pick in the draft. Looking back at where where they got good players, kind of gives you a sense of of 
what what to expect. It's not perfect science. The draft is a crapshoot. It's really hard to get draft picks right. Uh, it doesn't matter where you draft. It's really hard to get them right. But typically, play, the best players go towards the top five. And if you find a player who really contributes out of the top five, boy, did you hit a home run. So let's revisit what the Blazers have done in the last decade to figure out kind of where they could be headed, or at least take a trip down memory lane. In 2012, you may remember with the sixth overall pick, they took a point guard from Weber State. They had traded Gerald Wallace to the uh, New Jersey Nets in exchange for a, a draft pick that was top three protected. It fell out of the top three and landed sixth. The Kings took Thomas Robinson fifth. And the Blazers, who desperately needed a point guard, got a 6-2 point guard from Weber State. Turned out to be the one of the best players in the history of the franchise. That's Damian Lillard, six overall in 2012. Blazers weren't done, though. They took Myers Leonard with a, at 11 in that draft. I actually don't think, looking back at this, that Myers Leonard was really that bad of a pick. Like, I know he wasn't good in the NBA. I do not think Myers Leonard was ever a good player. I think he was briefly an intriguing player for his skill set, but never good. Never never quite past the threshold of good NBA player. But, like, in the first round of, like, reasonable picks, like, I think if you say, like, oh, they could have, like, the one is always like, why didn't they draft Draymond Green? It's like, come on, the Warriors drafted two players before Draymond Green in that draft. It's like, they <laughs> They didn't know. They didn't know. If they knew they would have had, they wouldn't have waited until 35. Same with this Nikola Jokic. They did, the Nuggets drafted Yusuf Nurkic 15th in that draft. They didn't know. Um, but it's like, if you look sort of in the range, I think it's fair. And sort of in Myers' range, that would have been better. Evan Fournier went 20. Mo Harkless went 15. Either of those would have been better picks. Um, straight up, both of those dudes have had much better NBA careers than uh, than than Mr. Leonard. Uh, and, and with the 40th overall pick, the Blazers got Will Barton. Uh, getting an NBA player in the second round is really hard to do. The Blazers have had a bunch of success finding guys who are NBA-level players in the second round, and Will Barton in 2012 was the beginning of that. The following year, back-to-back bangers, Blazers get the 10th pick in the draft. You know, they, they were pretty good most of that season. They ended the year on a 13-game losing streak, and they end up with the 10th pick in the draft. Kind of not too dissimilar from where they are now, where it's like, okay, pull the plug. And when they pulled the plug, they've just lost a whole bunch of games. Ended up with a late lottery pick. And with that late lottery pick, they got a little guard out of Lehigh University who had just um, coming off an injury his his, uh, his senior year of college and was, was you know, maybe was would have been a higher draft pick if not for the foot, the foot stuff. C.J. McCollum from Lehigh. It's Christian James. One of the great, a really great pick. Uh, Blazers obviously could have drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo at 15, uh, who went 15th. That would have been the time to take a big risk. That was a really good team that didn't necessarily need um, the CJ pick, but it's hard to quibble with CJ, really. Like, yes, you could have picked Giannis Antetokounmpo for sure in 2013, but uh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on now. That's, uh, CJ was pretty good. CJ was pretty good. Would they be better off with Damon and uh, Giannis over the last decade? Yes. <laughs> Championship-level team for a long time. But uh, that's not how it works. Like I said, the draft is a crapshoot. That's after the uh, Blazers selected four other teams, also chose not to, plus the first 10 in that draft. So say 14 other teams didn't get it right. That's half the league. Uh, 
In 2014, the Blazers, they had actually traded away part of that uh, Gerald Wallace and, and subsequent swap. They had traded away that future draft pick. They did not have a first rounder in 2014. Uh, they Blazers also made, oh, sorry, in 2013, they also made a second round selection that they eventually traded away in Jeff Withy uh, for the Rolo pick. So that's a pick. He didn't play, so I didn't count him, but he's in my notes. Uh, 2015, the Blazers come back. They do have a draft pick this time, and they and they draft Rondé Hollis Jefferson from, from Arizona, you know, Ford from Arizona who had a not much of an offensive game and a funky uh, free throw routine who did not end up playing for the Blazers. They traded that pick on, on draft night for Mason Plumley and Pat Connaughton, but Pat Connaughton was, they traded for his rights. Like he was another Blazers selection. It's again, an NBA player in the second round, pretty good pick right there. That's your, that's your 2015 draft. The next year in 2016, um, the Blazers did not have a, did not have their pick in 2016. They had traded it in the, um, they had they had traded it away in the previous draft in a in a previous trade, so they only had a second round pick, and they took uh, Jake Lehman at forty seven. Dude, to turn, turn like he's an end of the bench guy for for uh, Minnesota, and he's probably on the borderline of of having a, another NBA contract. But he signed a second NBA contract in the league. He got real money after his after his rookie deal. Um, after his rookie deal expired. So like finding NBA players with second round picks, pretty good in 2016, 2017. This is the big one. This is the one you remember with the 10th pick in the NBA draft in the 2017 NBA draft. The Blazers took Zach Collins from Gonzaga. Um, didn't work out. Didn't a pick that really cost him. Uh, they also in this draft took Caleb Swanigan at 26, uh, pick right before Kyle Kuzma and, Blah, 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 blah. And the, and the Zach Collins pick. Donovan Mitchell went 13th. Bam Adebayo went 14th. John Collins went 19th. Uh, Jared Allen went 22nd. OG Ananobi went 23rd. Five players, all if they'd been taken 10th, the Blazers would be in a better situation. And I think two things. I think, I think very earnestly two things about this. One, that draft screwed the Blazers. It screwed the era, that era of the Blazers because Collins got hurt too much and it didn't work out for him. Also, Donovan Mitchell went 13. 12 other teams didn't know that he was a star. Bam, Bam Adebayo went 14th. It's not like the Blazers picked first and missed out or third and missed out. This was late lottery stuff. This stuff is hard. I think it's hard to get it right. I'm only defending that I think the entire process of a draft is a crapshoot while recognizing the 2017 draft screwed up the Blazers. It screwed up the Blazers. It, it, it pushed them into the situation where they are now totally rebuilding because they could have landed a star in that draft. You draft a bit out of bio, you're not blowing it up. You're, you're pushing it forward as a team that is legitimate championship aspirations they screwed up 2017 they screwed it up in a way that is very believable because the draft is a crapshoot in 2018 the Blazers drafted Anthony Simons at 24 and Gary Trent Jr. at 37 that's a hell of a draft haul and took a little while to get going was probably thrust into the spotlight too much but now he looks like he's just going to be a straight-up star in the league and Gary Trent Jr. is a starting caliber shooting guard um, is an absolute bucket when he's on he's always thinks he's on so sometimes he's really off but um, few dudes in the league can get as hot and be on a heater like Gary Trent. Um, that's a great draft in 2018. 2019, the, the Blazers took Nazir Little, 25th. That's looking like a really good pick. I think Nas has a chance to be a long-term starter in the NBA. You pick a long-term starter at 25, that's a damn good selection. Um, no guarantees. Obviously, Nas has got to stay healthy for an extended period of time, but I, I thought he was I thought he was really putting it together this year before he hurt his shoulder and you know, you draft a dude who can play like a contributor at 25, the chances you draft any contributor in any draft, like beyond the top six picks is relatively low. 
beyond the top 15 picks, incredibly low in the final 10 picks of the first round. Um, very unlikely in the second round, basically impossible. And the Blazers get getting maybe a starter at 25. Heck of a pick. In 2020, they didn't have a draft pick. They traded it for the first of their two draft picks they traded in the Robert Covington trade. They took CJ LB 46. I'm not sure CJ LB is an NBA player. He um, He's had a lot of opportunities in the Blazers' late season tank, and it just hasn't worked out for him. They took him 46 overall. In 2021, they took Greg Brown the third, 43rd overall. They didn't have a first-round pick for the second of the two draft picks the Blazers trade away for, for the Robert Covington trade. That's who they've taken. So over the last 10 years, the Blazers have taken a Hall of Famer, and no one else who has made an all-star team. CJ McCollum is about as good as you can possibly be without making an all-star team. But a Hall of Famer, a long-term starter, and you know one of the top 15 players in franchise history. Uh, and then, you know, a lo- probably a long-term starter in Anthony Simons, and a long-term starter in Azir Little, and then a bunch of rotation guys. Um, I will just say, going through this list, they don't have a lot of duds. They don't have a lot of duds. I think Myers Leonard was was um, there weren't a lot of good players in that the back half of that draft. Uh, so I, you could have gotten a slightly better player. Uh, Zach Collins is was it's hard to know with Collins because of the injury stuff, and it, I I don't like calling calls guys a bust because of their body. Like it's it's one. I think busts are guys who aren't skilled enough to play in the league. I don't think busts are guys who get injured. That should be a different category. Did he get injured? And yes, absolutely, and it cost him all these things. No doubt about it. But um, there needs to be another... We need another word for a guy whose body sort of just didn't hold up in the NBA because that's that's not what a bust is. A bust is a player who can't play. I think Collins is kind of um, fine. Like, I think he's going to... I think he's going to be a contributor in the league. He's not all the other guys who were picked in his range who are like studs though, and then that's that's the real problem. Like I said, I don't think I don't think the Blazers have many duds in the last ten years. I think they've done fine, and I think if you can get like a so if you can get a rotation level player, particularly someone who can contribute, you know, end of year one and end year two, and Collins, quite frankly, contributed at a pretty high level um, in his second season. They do not make the Western Conference Finals without Zach Collins's play in uh, the last two games of that uh, series against uh, the Nuggets. He was really, really useful off the bench for a team that needed front court depth. And then uh, he got injured, and didn't give them depth beyond that after that run. But um, if the Blazers you know, get the seventh pick in the draft and draft a guy who's like a long-term contributor. That's a really good outcome. I don't think you can, for me, I don't think you can slice it any other way. Uh, if this works out, if this, if they kind of follow the trend they have the last couple of years where they just, they draft people who can contribute at any level, you get someone at seven. Like the Blazers need someone who can play early on in their career. They do not need a project. They do not need a, a Greg Brown, the third. It's different because he can be 43rd overall or whatever uh, but they don't even need ant right like they don't they don't need an ant who's someone who's going to take a full four years and then blossom they don't need someone who's good in 2029 they need someone who can play right away they need someone who's good in 2023 uh that that's absolutely what they need my math might a little bit off on what four years is from 2023 but uh i think i think they've got a pretty good track record and the guy who's Running the show now, Joe Cronin has been the director of player personnel and someone who's big on the, in the scouting world and the draft world, helping make those decisions for the last 10 years. There's reason to believe the Blazers are probably still a pretty solid draft team or at least have the competency the, the of of the front office makeup that has done it in the past, even if they've got some some new parts in there as well. So 
That's your look to the past. We looked to the future and we talked about the present. We're going to do more tomorrow. Tomorrow's show, Mark Schindler is going to join the program, uh, writer for basketballnews.com and a couple other places, uh, host of the Premium Hoops podcast at premiumhoops.org. Mark's a ton of fun. Make sure you listen to that one. We'll talk about CJ's return in Thursday's show. And we'll do a mailbag to close out the the week on Friday. Whole bunch of fun this week. Available on all platforms, wherever you get podcasts. Also on YouTube, just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be right there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.